everyone, and welcome to Debating Metal. I'm your host, Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and my co-host is Chris Kay. Last episode, we did Accept's Greatest Hits, and so we decided to stick around the same territory and bring you a head-to-head featuring one of Germany's first thrash bands. Today, we're bringing you creator Coma of Souls versus Violent Revolution. Released in 1990, Coma of Souls is creator's fifth album and marked the end of their initial thrash period. A decade's worth of experimentation saw them release four albums that seemed more like an attempt to conform to what was happening in the metal scene rather than kind of continuing on their path. Finally, 11 years later, the new millennium saw the band return to what they know best and re-embrace their extreme metal roots with 2001's Violent Revolution. So today, we put two of their heaviest albums head-to-head and see which one comes out on top, Coma of Souls or Violent Revolution. All right, so before we begin the episode, uh, I want to address something um, that happened on New Year's Eve, actually, and it's kind of related to this topic. Um, I received uh, an email from one of our listeners uh, who listens to us in Germany, and um, so it was really, really cool to get an email from someone uh, that, you know, I mean, we get emails from time to time, and, and we don't... Uh, we get a lot of suggestions here and there, but this was this was different. This was a guy who like really, really loved the podcast. And so I want to read a little bit of it so that everyone can understand um, what I'm talking about. And so uh, this guy's name is Christoph. I'm not going to mention his last name, um, but he wrote, Hello, the Dean and Chris. Uh, I banged into your podcast around last May. The key word was debating. Also, me simply can't stop talking about metal. Um, It has become straightway my favorite music podcast, and I have enjoyed many of your episodes. Um, Unfortunately, my wife does not like music that much, particularly not metal. Hence, I have not enough opportunity to listen to all your fantastic lists. I love your pick and drop algorithm. Your expertise is tremendous and you're, and you're great after decades still ongoing. Passion for metal and other music is felt every single minute. Your podcast has been accompanying my post-COVID-19 lockdown cakewalks and I enjoy your thoughts very much. Your appreciative conversation and your well-formulated pointed statements. Actually, I first thought you must be Englishmen. I am looking forward to each of your shows. So then he goes on to talk about some bands that he would think that we should talk about and some genres and all that stuff. And I thought I, I just saw this really long email and I was like flabbergasted that, you know, we reached somebody out in Germany and he had some really good uh, points about bands that we want to talk about. And this is all stuff that, you know, like when we talked uh, on Last week's episode with Accept, you know, our New Year's resolution is to expand our horizons. And it's not something that we need to learn new music or to learn about certain stuff, although I did that this week with this show. It's just about adding more content and having better discussions on the show. So, um, Chris, you you just listened to me talk about this email and you read some of it. it. is this not like one of the coolest things that you can receive when you're looking at your phone <laughs> and checking email? I mean, it's it, it's really nice to to get that kind of feedback um, and also the suggestions. We, I mean, most of the time we we want to know what you guys want to hear. So um, it's it's 
you know, part of it is we're having fun talking about the subjects that we love, but also, also sometimes we have really learned to like even more than what we thought we liked through, you know, pushing each other's limits. So sometimes getting some feedback from you guys was, is also really cool in that we've gotten suggestions of things to do that uh, kind of pushed our horizons as well. So I, th I think it's really great. Um, we'll definitely be sending kind of an email response and, and you know, discussing some of this stuff too. Um, but yeah, some great suggestions and looking forward to talking about some of this stuff too. Yes, and, and Christoph... Um, it, you're, once, once you hear this episode, so it's going to post obviously a different day than we actually record it. So once Christoph actually hears this, he will have listened already to one accept episode, uh, which is part of the reason why we did that. It was because, um, we recorded it after new year's and I had basically read the email and said, Oh, we need to do something here in this, in Germany, you know, type of idea. And so then that brought us, brought me to suggesting to you, um, that we do this creator episode, which we had already talked about before. We, trying, we've trying talked to do. about for a long time because right. creator is, is a, a, I would say top 10, maybe top, try top 15 Ben for me. Oh, okay. That's cool. But yeah, I mean, and he's got some great ideas on here on this email. So, and I don't want to talk about the ideas because we're going to, we're going to definitely do some of these ideas, but I can't wait to get to it all. But uh, um, Christoph, Thank you for listening. We really, really appreciate it. Um, we're glad that we have people like you out there listening to us. I know we have a couple of friends um, out in the Detroit area that constantly um, email or actually send me messages, send us messages. I, I'm the one who reads them the most. Um, but uh, that's uh, uh, Darius and um, Mark that listen out in the, somewhere they're in the outskirts of Detroit. So, you know, thank you guys for listening on a regular basis. So, and everyone else who listens, Hey, send, send emails, send us messages. You know, we, we talk about it at, at the end of every episode. You can reach us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or you can send us an email to debating metal at gmail.com. So go for it, man. Do it, do what we do, what you want to do and give us some ideas. Uh, Chris, we are here to talk about creator. That we are. So it's about time. It is about time. Um, so I, for one, have have n never got into creator. Um, so that's a that's a weird thing being a metalhead for as long as I've been. But I, I just never. I saw the album covers. I saw the advertisements in magazines for some of their older albums. I thought that the, the artwork was cool. Uh, I mean, I the the one piece of art that sits with me for such a long time is the album cover to Coma of Souls. So it's it's one of those things where I never, I just never got into the band. Um, and obviously, there's nothing wrong with that. I I didn't think there was something I, I didn't like the band. It's just I didn't get into them. Um, when did you get into Creator? So oddly enough, I got into them around the mid-90s, uh, 96, 97, kind of around the same time that I was uh, first getting into Children of Bottom. Um, however, uh, the only things that I could find from them were the older albums. Uh, I've mentioned a couple times I used to go to a record store here in Houston called uh, Diamond Head Records, actually technically in spring. Um, it's no longer around anymore. Um, but that's where I found a lot of the stuff that I got into 
was they had imports and uh, you know releases metal releases it was primarily a metal store they had other sections but um, it was aisles and aisles of metal and so I I had picked up you know kind of starting in the early years of of creator and only towards the end did I find out about some of the other stuff like Enderama and um, what was it Outcast um i i don't remember those albums as well because i don't like them very much cause for conflict was one of them that was the one i kind of did like out of those four experimental albums but i really started from the beginning even though i got into them around the time that they were putting out some of the stuff i don't enjoy um so when violent revolution came out in in the early 2000s in 2001 specifically uh i was thrilled I, I it was so i didn't really live through the whole era i mean obviously i was alive but i <laughs> i didn't I, I didn't uh listen to them throughout the entire time that they were kind of in that experimentation phase because i really picked up more of the old stuff so i became an instant fan i always really like them um but some of the stuff that's come in the the uh later years when they went back to their their roots has been some of my favorite stuff from the band so i have never seen them live it's still something i really want to do and uh i'm going to make sure that happens at some point you know it's it's funny because there's certain bands like i never listened to that I've probably seen live several times. You know, I'm not a big fan and, and I know that a lot of people are going to probably curse me out for saying this, but I'm not a big fan of Exodus. Um, and screw you, man. <laughs> and, and, there's, and there's a lot of reasons why. Um, but <clears throat> the, <laughs> but the, but bottom, so, so- I mean, <laughs> There's certain Sorry. songs that I do like. Like I got into Toxic Waltz. I like Piranha. Um, some of the newer stuff. There's a couple of songs that I like in there, but I just never. They, they were never one that I said, "Oh, I gotta put them in and listen to them." I just it just was never that way. And um, the funny thing about like going back and listening to early um, Creator is that I got a vibe from them in the, talking with the first few albums, you know, the EP flag of hate and, and the first album and all that stuff. It, there's a lot of Exodus vibes, a lot of, um, Slayer vibes to me, um, things like that. And it's funny because you and I were talking about it. Yeah. They started at the same time in different parts of the, of the world. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. Exodus yeah. had already existed. They were not a, they, they didn't have a record contract, but they existed. And, you know, they, they were flint, flint, flint. They were friends with Metallica. <laughs> they were friends with, um, you know, uh, Slayer. And so it was one of those things where, you know, they were all influential to each other. And obviously with tape trading as being a big thing back then in those days, I'm pretty sure creator knew who some of these bands were that were coming out of the San Francisco area and in, in, in California in general. So, uh, it, it, Oh yeah. All these bands knew each other in some respect, like whether right. they knew each other in person or they just heard each other. So stuff like that. Yeah. 
So it's just, it's pretty, pretty interesting that, you know, they all they kind of start at the same time. They have a similar sound. And there's a lot of, to me, similarities in, in, in the riffing, in the, 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 the melodic structure of the songs and, and things like that. So um, without further ado, let's go ahead and get into this because um, we have a lot of, a lot to cover here. Um, so we're talking about Coma of Souls. Um, so Creator uh, in 1990, when Coma of Souls was released, consisted of, uh, how do you say his first name? Is it Millie or Mile? Uh, Millie. Millie, okay. So Creator in 1990, um, at the time of the release of Coma of Souls, um, featured uh, you know their leader, Millie uh, Petroza, on vocals and rhythm guitars. Frankie uh, Blackfire, I want to say it's Godsick. Uh, or Gostick on lead guitars, Rob Fioretti on bass, and Ventor on drums. So uh, we we apologize, Christoph, for the pronunciation yeah, for, the, for, the, for the brutalization of these German names. Actually, <laughs> Millais is not even German; it's Italian. <laughs> yes. So, um, but Coma Souls was released on November 6, nineteen ninety, on Epic Records worldwide and Noise Records in Germany. Uh, it was produced by Randy Burns, who is famous for all the Florida death metal, and it was recorded at El Dorado Recording Studios and Image Studios in Hollywood, California. Uh, all the songs were written, or music was written by Creator, the band, and all the lyrics by uh, Petroza. So, cool little tidbit on this album, 1990, the, 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 worldwide sales of vinyl was going down dramatically this album was released on a limited edition purple vinyl uh for a little bit so so chris since you are more familiar with uh creator why don't you go ahead and uh, let's talk about these songs all right so like i said earlier or i guess maybe you said in the intro this was kind of the the last um of the of the thrash albums before they kind of went into some experimentation um this was an album that a lot of people view as either their pinnacle depending on when you kind of view the you know like some people think that metallica's first four albums are the only ones that matter. Some people think one through five, you know, some people think one and two, or maybe even just the first album before they sold out, whatever, you know? So there's, there's always those eras of a band, right? So with, with creator though, I think most people would consider, consider the, the, you know, the, the first EP, the first album to uh, come off souls being their first era. So this is the end of their first era. Um, now, the album is very moody, has a, a very um, kind of dark feel to it, even more so than some of the stuff that came before, which I would say is more aggressive. So this kind of took it into a new direction even before they started doing a bunch of experimentation. The album starts with When the Sun Burns Red. Again, this is a very dark and moody track. Um, and then it kind of blasts into full gear with heavy thrash drumming. And there's some subtle alternating patterns on the guitar harmonies, which I really like. Uh, if you listen very carefully, just kind of listen to how it goes back and forth. There, It sounds like it's the same riff repeating. However, there is a, an, a harmony that takes a different direction with every other stanza, which is really cool. Um, I love the solo and then the harmony that, that follows afterwards. 
Um, there's some effects that are like fire kind of representing solar flares and the sun becoming a red giant, red giant ending life as we know it. So if you, if you know anything about astronomy um, and the functionality of stars, uh, they have the potential to become what's called a red giant when they're about to burn out. And this is kind of about that subject, very apocalyptic. Well, that's a lot to say about that song, but it's cool. Um, I, I, I picked up on a lot of things that you were saying. I remember listening to the song and, and I was like, yeah, you know, so it's got that quiet acoustic intro and then it, you know, it, 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 it has a acoustic slash clean guitar type of intro. And then, you know, like you said, the, the, the thrashing starts in, um, I do, I did notice the, the harmony solos and, and the, the work that's, that's done there that's that's pretty cool i like i like how it, it goes from a gallop to this harmony solos it's pretty neat um and then you know the last couple of minutes of the song you know it's got that gallop chug thing going on and i think that's pretty cool uh, this song you know for for one of the first songs to for me to really pay attention to when it came to creator it it, it didn't surprise me um but it didn't it didn't uh, not surprise me. I guess you could say there was there were some things about it. I'm like, oh, okay, this is pretty cool. I, I didn't think that was going to be there, and then I, I, the rest of it was kind of like, oh yeah, this is what I'm expecting. So, the, but I thought the song was really cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a really good start to the album. Um, so track two is the title track, Coma of Souls. Uh, I would say this is a bit more of a, a straightforward thrash track. Uh, with more emphasis on the lyrics, kind of discussing the savage, savagery of war and masters of war, like the people behind it. You know, you, you think of when you think of war, so a lot of times you just think of, of the people that are battling, but you don't necessarily always think about the people that are responsible for it that are kind of sitting behind and not having to actually deal with the, the dire consequences of what what's out there in the battlefield. So... Um, what I, one thing I really like is the solo is kind of broken into three stages here. There's like the, there's the finger tapping build that starts it. Then there's a really chaotic section and then there's a more pronounced melodic part. And it, it's very, um, jarring how it kind of switches between the three, but I think there's a reason for that in how the song's presented and the subject matter that's in it. So I, I always think that's, that's one thing that's very interesting about, uh, creators solos is how they kind of reflect the subject matter of the song and not necessarily always just the tone of the song so the what i picked up on this song and it's it's kind of weird because you you're kind of touching on it but you're not really saying it mm -hmm. um is that this song has a vibe to it that is very like this is going to be an epic song you can you has it has like beginning middle end kind of has structures to it and mm -hmm. it's weird because the song is not long enough to be considered an epic but it has that that feel to it you know because the intro is not necessarily a quick short intro the intro is is extended but it doesn't go deep into the song because it's not a long song it's really odd like you feel like it's it's longer than it actually is yeah, but not not in a bad way. I get what no, you're saying. No, not in a bad way yeah. at all. Um, yeah. you know, it's got a it's got some really cool riffs. I like the main riff, you know. Uh, you know, the the the, the song itself, the riffing and and, and the, the structure of the song is really cool. Um, but it's just really interesting how it, it for me it gave off that vibe like this is going to be an epic and it really isn't, but yet 
when you break it down, you can actually turn it into an epic if you wanted to. So it's it's a it's a very interesting song. I I I think the song is a good song. I I think part of that is the subject matter, and it feels grandiose to some right, degree. Right, exactly, and that's why. Um, so track three is People of the Lie. Now, what's what's interesting here is I always felt like this song could be played by Testament. Like it has testament like lyrics that the the you know the the pace of it like the the riffing sounds like a testament song, and I just thought that was always kind of interesting. Um, so the pace is a little bit slower than what we've heard the first the first two tracks. Um, there are some you know um, more harmonies I would say than than what kind of preceded. Um, the solo, you know. I, this is one of my least favorite solos on the album, and it's not because it's not good. It just feels like auditorily thin, uh, and maybe that's just the way it was produced. It just doesn't sound as good as as what it should because the solo itself is really nice. It just for some reason is a little off putting when listening to it in the context of the the way the rest of the stuff is recorded. Um, but the di- double bass is really nice and keeps the pace strong. So this is one track that i think um definitely sounds better on the remaster but it's still i don't think they they fully um gave it the uh the warmth maybe that it should have okay i mean i could i, I could see that in to some degree because i you know i'm big on you know the way songs sound um this this track definitely has a really cool riff to it yes um i actually i it's a it's a nice chug if you want I, that's the way i'd like to to look at it um dare i say this song is catchy mm-hmm. it, it has yeah. you know it's almost accessible that kind of vibe to it um especially at this point in time for for their career I and mean, it was it was almost one of those songs that could potentially cross over into a a, a different metal crowd but um they would change from here on forward for a few years and so that kind of tossed that out the window <laughs> yes it definitely uh <laughs> but yeah I, I get that that kind of catchiness to it and I, I think maybe that's what i'm associating with uh with testament, testament. Yeah, yeah exactly all right so track four is world beyond uh what i really like here is just beyond the ripping pace is the guitar work like the 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 way that millie and frank play off of each other um that i think that's that's one thing that really works and what i would i mean specifically is there are these moments which i would call like the connective tissues between the riffs you know those transitions and there's there's these really interesting transitions uh with some some guitar work that's kind of unexpected because the riffs are often kind of straightforward but the transitions are where that intricacy kind of plays in on this particular track this this song i mean it's a short song so we'll get that it it's a very punky kind of song Mm -hmm. um it's very very fast riff. I, I like this song, and and what this track gives me is is that Slayer Exodus vibe. It, it may not give that to everybody, but that's what it gave to me. Um, so there's something about it that you know it's a, it's like an early Slayer, early Exodus. You know, it's before Rain and Blood. You know, uh, bonded by blood type of situation for Exodus. So you know, it's that early extreme you know speed 
thrash metal that came out uh, in the early 80s. That's the vibe I get from this song. Um, and for, for what it is, it's, you know, it's a quick little ditty. And it, it just, it's uh, a quick it little gets, ditty. <laughs> you know, so, but it's a cool song. I mean, I, I give it, it's, it's short, so it's not a lot to talk about when it comes to that. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these tracks at this point are kind of about, you know, the the darkness of humanity, um, you know, the 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 places that you don't think about, like in your average everyday life, right? The the places that your mind go, the places that are you want to avoid because when you have those dark thoughts, you don't want to let them kind of get inside and that's that's what a lot of these songs are about so far which i really think is a cool subject um terror zone uh track five so this is kind of where you hear some iron maiden influence opening or with the opening um i really like that you know they they never shy away from kind of uh playing around with some of their their uh, inspirations which i think is really cool the drum beat following that though reminds me a lot of injustice for all um there's so there's some definite like playing with the influences like i said here in this track um which is interesting i think i you know especially you know just coming a couple years after injustice for all i don't know if that was intentional whatsoever but i think kind of it was um i mean you know, it's another stellar solo, yet I wish there was more of it. It's really brief, which is, I think, unfortunate. But um, the main riff, honestly, is one of my favorites on the album. So this this track, for me, is the opposite of World Beyond. So this is the opposite of the song that was before it. And this is long. This is made up of several parts, very similar to Injustice for All, which is long and made up of several parts. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the way I... The way I see it is that this song takes you on a journey, creator style. Um, so it, 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 I like that about it. At the same time, it's one of those where, um, like you said, it has that that vibe of Metallica. Um, and what was the other the other vibe you got off Iron Maiden? So yeah, because of the fact that it's long and epic and made up of several different parts, it's it's kind of that little proggy element that iron maiden has that that metallica can do from time to time and so this this definitely is showing its influences on that yeah absolutely it's a pretty cool track so track six is agents of brutality um it starts off a bit slower and sludgier but then kind of takes off into that familiar ripping almost almost flight of the bumblebee s kind of pace like there's there's a riff that has that like speed to it that really reminds me of that mm-hmm. um with some classical elements and parts which i really like so um if you if you just kind of sit there and listen to it you know the way that we used to listen to records with you know you you have your headphones on and and the music and that's it um, you can really catch some very interesting kind of classical moments in there, which is cool. Um, the bluesier solo on this track really is one of my favorites on the album, uh, feeling a bit more like something that Andy LaRock would have put out. Like some, some of the stuff that he did in 
um, Merciful Fate, but even more specifically, the stuff that he did when he was with Death. Um, I love this solo. No, I agree. It's 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 a very cool solo. Um, what this does for me with this is this the beginning part of this track gives me a, a again a Slayer vibe, almost uh, aggressive perfector to some degree. Um, and and this is when I get these vibes and when I when I talk about this stuff that it reminds me of this. That doesn't necessarily mean that I'm I'm thinking oh this is the same exact riff, okay? It's something maybe there's a, a two or three note progression or two or three strums on the on the riff progression that just says oh I remember hearing something like that a long time ago. Um, so that's that that doesn't necessarily mean that I'm I'm saying oh they did that same exact thing. No, you know because some people that they might think that. Oh no, it's not. Doesn't sound anything like that. It there's just something that it hints at it, reminds me of it. Two or three notes, maybe you know, per per riff or whatever. That's what I get out of that. Um, but the second uh, third of the song moves away from that vibe to me, and it just goes kind of into like a straightforward metal kind of attitude and and it's something i like about that it's just the, the way it changes in the song and that, that's something that again with with this album i've realized that there is this um hint of progressiveness that 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 they are that they that they have with their songwriting so one thing i think that it reflects really well like like i said where the solo will often reflect the the, you know the the lyrical content of the song or just different aspects like how sometimes the song feels like it's in sections um those those go really hand in hand with the way that the lyrics are addressed you know this is about trained killers of any type you know assassins um gladiators even like just just anybody that their entire existence is built around killing and so it works on many levels because you're the, with the, when you're listening to the lyrics, you're you're understanding, you know, this is this is a different mindset of a human than what your average person is. And, you know, th- whether they're aggressive beasts or st- strategic killers or whatever, you know, that it's it's a dark side of humanity. So pretty interesting stuff. Yeah, very interesting. Uh, so track seven is Material World Paranoia. Um, so this this track, to me, when I first hear it, always sounds like uh, an opening track. And it, I feel like it was potentially written as one but didn't make it as the opening. Um, and, and in many ways, to me, it harkens back to kind of the sound of like earlier albums. It's not as... It's not written as kind of the same styling as some of the other stuff on the album, although... Obviously, it is recorded that way. It feels like it fits in. But just thinking about like their whole career, I feel like this could have fit in on some of the earlier albums as well. Um, again, we're kind of seeing into the dark side of man, willing to submit into corporations, indoctrination into society as pawns, you know, subjects that we think about and deal with every day to day. Um, you're right um, in that regards. It's just... You know, how often do I spend time thinking about, you know, uh, corporations in that regards? It, it's you're maybe too busy when taking care of kids <laughs> and making yeah. dinners and stuff like that. But, you know, a lot of people need to touch grass, as they say, and, get uh. off, and you know, not be perpetually online. But 
you know. Right. No, I get it. Um, what I like about this track is, you know, you got that intro segment for like the first 47 seconds. It's really cool. It gives me a, a, a Testament Megadeth vibe to it. Um, then the speed riff comes in and, you know, that's where things change up a little bit. I like that. Um, the verse melody is different than most of the other songs, and that's that's good. It's uh, the chorus is slower. It's it's uh, also different. Um, you know, you get a change of pace at three minutes right before the solo, and then there's these weird vocal effects that, like, I thought it was kind of pointless. I mean. It's already a 1990 album. It's already produced, you know, by Randy Burns, which, you know, he has his style of of doing things. And it just seems kind of odd to just throw that in there. Hey, it was cool back then. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's the thing. It kind of dates the song. But at the same time, this is a really good song. I like this song a lot. Um, I I think this is one of these songs that, uh, you know, uh, I could listen to on a regular basis and say, "Oh yeah, this is a pretty pretty cool track." So, um, to the point where I actually put it on my my Spotify playlist. You know, the one that has three thousand songs in it that I'll never get through. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I thought this was pretty cool. You too. never know if you if you play it now, <laughs> you might finish it in a few years. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> all right, so that takes us into track eight, Twisted Urges. Um, so I love this intro guitar harmony. It's really cool. Um, it has such a dissonant and kind of chaotic feel that leaves you on edge, kind of with a sense of unease. Um, after about a minute, it transforms into a gallop for about 20 seconds, 30 seconds or so, uh, before this just really chaotic solo, um, and then kind of returning to that feel from the beginning. So it's a really kind of dark, uncomfortable track. And I mean, the, the title alone, Twisted Urges, you know, it's, it's, you know, that, that inner turmoil, that, that darkness. And I think the song, like the, the, the way it's written, perfectly reflects is reflects the subject matter you know what's what's funny what i've noticed about the songs that you know listening to them you know time and again for the last you know month or so is is exactly that like the the titles reflect the kind of like it's like they had a title that are how can we make the music match the title and it's not normally that's not normally the case but in this one it's it really kind of blends that way a lot of the stuff that they do is like that and now that you mentioned it and i started thinking about the stuff that's on violent revolution that we're going to talk about in a few minutes it all is like that yeah and it really listen to every album and you get that that vibe like the the music the lyrics match the the um the instrumentation like so perfectly it's so bizarre i don't hear that from a lot of bands where there's sometimes the, the lyrics are like they're happy and the music is is dark and you, you go like there's that juxtaposition but like he really matches his lyrical content to the music so well yeah he does so um twisted urges for me very similar to what you said it has a certain way at the beginning um it's a thrash song for me you know for the most part up until about a minute and then uh, it turns into a chugger for like a half a minute, and then it goes back to what it did for the first minute. So it's, I think it's a pretty cool track, uh, in in and of itself. But it is kind of twisted in a way. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, for for that reason, it's it's a track that I would listen to in the context of the album, but I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to specifically listen to it. But um, when it's one of these albums for me that I can listen to from front to back, I think it fits really well in there. Um, I agree. So, so track nine is Hidden Dictator. Um, so this has another kind of silent or silent has another kind of slight iron maiden rub to the 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 bass intro so like you can tell like they're again they're kind of exercising that influence um but with more of like a lightning paced gallop throughout the the song so it does have the iron maiden gallop but it's like the horse is on steroids um so we see more of the lyrics about our lack of control and the forces that kind of guide us and control us behind the scenes. Like you, you don't realize how much of your life sometimes is influenced by forces out of your control. And so the song has this slower kind of more methodic solo echoing that sentiment of the lyrics. It's very cool. I like the way the bass lick starts off the song. And then it leads into that, a diff, like a different type of riff, which then leads into your typical thrash riff. Uh, it has a, it's a really cool intro to this song. The vase, the, the, the vase, the, <laughs> we're stumbling all around our worlds and, uh, today. <laughs> the vocal melody and the verse riff are, are slower and chunky, uh, which is also cool. Um, the drum pattern changes th- this thing up a little bit uh, on this one. It's very interesting to me. The solo comes in really early at a minute and a half around there. So that's that's different than your typical song as well. Um, and right around the 232 mark, the song slows down for about 50 seconds or so. Um, it's the typical type of progressiveness of thrash that 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 this works with. You know, thrash, you know, for a lot of people, they you know, there's a thrash is defined by not just the way um, songs are, are played per se um, guitar, guitar wise, but the drumming is what makes a lot of songs thrash. Mm-hmm. Um, because you could, if, if you, if you put in, let's say a melodic death metal drummer that plays, you know, a million miles an hour and double bass all the time, it changes the way the song that uh, the thrash song changes. It doesn't necessarily become a thrash song. It's not a thrash song anymore, you know. So there's a certain way to play drums. Um, Testament did it really early on, on and uh, you know Exodus does it, uh, you know, really well. S- Slayer played their brand of thrash, but it was more of a speed metal type of thing. The drumming was never really a thrash drumming. You know, Lars played a little bit of thrash drumming early on, but got away from that real quickly. Um, so stuff like that, you know. And then uh, who was it? Uh, um, Death Angel, very, very thrash, typical thrash sound. So this one has that. Um, and and a lot of these songs in thrash are progressive. They change rhythms. They change speeds. They change tempos and all that stuff so you know it's one thing that, that people realize they, they just look at this music and they say oh no, that's just bullshit it's just thrash it's you know they call it trash but it's complex fucking music it's not the simplest shit to play you know and there is a, there is a diversity or, or, or a dexterity that's needed to play this kind of music yeah. i'm sorry if you if you don't if you think that these people are just a bunch of idiots playing playing instruments they're not most of them are better than your average freaking you know uh musician so 
that being said, this track, um, there's there's a lot of that progressive style of thrash that it's in it, and it, I think it's a pretty cool track. Agreed. Um, I think, a lot of bullshit I think, to I say think, about one song. <laughs> well, I, think, I think our audience is the specific audience that, that would agree with that sentiment, though. Like, you know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so men- Mental Slavery is track 10. Um, extremely re- relevant today, again, as we are manipulated by the media, t- made to hate each other. Um, you know, it's it's one of those things that, that it comes up constantly. You know, the insidiousness of the government and the media and with how they control us. Um, and uh, it's a subject that's never kind of been dropped. I mean, countless stories have been told about this same subject, right? So the the riff reflects that. It's slower, sludgier, darker, really kind of bringing out that, like I said, insidiousness. Um, really cool track. I think a really great closer for the album. So for being a very speedy, thrashy album, this song just flips it on its on its head in mm-hmm. that regards. It is much slower, and it's not a slow song per se. It's a metal song, it, but it's much slower than what you get the, most of the album. Um, the main riff is really cool to me. Um, it's got some licks at the end of each of the riffs that kind of uh, when you you know before it goes into the verse. So that's a, that's a pretty cool touch to the songs. Um, it's a chuggy mid pace thrasher. This song gives me a Sepultura vibe, like an early Sepultura. Yeah, maybe I can see that. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind of got a catchy chorus. Um, so you know, and then the riff changes right about the two and a half minute mark. Gets a little chuggier, a little heavier before it goes into the solo. Um, so it's a. It, this is a pretty cool way to end the album. You, you you literally flipped everything on its head. You went from being speed, 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 a little bit of slowness here and there, and, you know, back to speed, 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 speed. And then you literally have a very relatively consistent song at the end of the album. It's almost kind of like, all right, you know what? We, we brought you through this really fast-paced journey, and now we're just going to slow it down and kind of go into cruise control uh, as we get you know to the end of the album. So I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, it's... You know, you you mentioned the catchiness on certain tracks and stuff like that. And I think early on in Creator's career, they didn't really focus on that whatsoever. I think it's something that developed over time. They they started having choruses that that you could kind of sing along to, especially in the their later career. Um, but yeah, I, I never really thought much about that because I've always kind of liked storytelling music. But it is something I notice more now since we've been doing this podcast. So um, that is an interesting point for sure. So for me, you know, I, I when I listen to songs and albums and stuff like that, I, I listen to I, I I'll listen to it once or twice. Um, if I'm especially if I'm studying it, I'll listen to it a second time just to kind of get all right, where where the production is with this. <laughs> so I know that this is Randy Burns. Um, he was. Like I said, you know, big uh, death metal producer out of Florida. Um, he actually did a mix of Peace Sells, but who's buying for for uh, the special, um, which we call anniversary edition for for Megadeth. Um, he has a, a distinct style to him, um, but back then, you know, we're talking 1990. Um, there was definitely a way that he recorded and produced tracks. Um, but the but the overall sound was always good 
on on those albums, but it was good for what it was at the time. So this album was recorded very well. The mix is good, although there's a little bit of lack on the bottom end over this, which is typical of that time period for this kind of music. Um, <clears throat> and some of the effects that is used, you know, it dates it to an early 80s, or, or excuse me, a late 80s, early 90s kind of album. Um, not a big deal in, in any way, shape, or form because I don't care about that. I just want to, is it, is it, does it sound good in general? Yes. Okay. Oddly enough, you can, for me, you can actually tell when they've, some of the songs, where, where some songs were done. Like they did, they recorded these in two different studios and you could tell that the drum sound changes. So they either, it was, the drums were recorded at two different places um, which they recorded, so we don't know if they did all the tracks in one place and then went to another another studio for guitar work or something like that. I don't know the truth behind it all, but it to me it sounds like there's different songs were recorded in different places. So let's say five songs in one place and five songs in another, or six or whatever it is, you know. And so the drums have different sounds from song to song. Some obviously are the same as others, while some are completely different. Some are flat-ish. Some are more in your face. So um, anyway, I like the progressive elements on this album. I like the time changes, the riff changes. So, you know, it, it, this is a classic metal or classic thrash metal album. And it, it's a pretty good album. I like it. I would agree with, with those sentiments. I mean, especially the there is that inconsistency in some of the recording, like I mentioned. Um, that There were moments where, the like I said, the, the solo being off a little bit not quite sounding like it was it fit in where it should um or not i don't mean like it was misplaced or something but i mean it just it sounds off in the the recording style compared to everything else in the song and so there right. there is that somewhat like inconsistency in the production but it's not a big deal and the, the complaints about the album are very minor like they're not something that's ever going to prevent you from enjoying the album it's just you know nitpicking because that's what we do you know so no exactly uh, um so yeah a great album um then we go through you know four years of not four years but four albums so from uh you know 1992 they released renewal this was an album that really upset a lot of people you know that were fans of the band because it was such a change in style uh cause for conflict you know is it's a little more progressive um, but still kind of felt more like a, a logical move from, you know, Coma of Souls and the albums that came before. You know, it's got its detractors, but it's got a lot of people now, I think, that really view it as one of the good albums of this period of time. Um, but then Outcast came out, you know, and then Endorama, and they're so vastly different. And for me, you know, especially with, you know, the multitude of bands that you see go in a different direction and you don't like what they're putting out, it was really nice for 2001 to roll around and for Violent Revolution to come out. So uh, I'm sure you've got some notes on that if you want to talk about that. Yeah. So Creator in 2001, when this album was released, um, consisted of Mile Petraza, um, yeah, Petra, Petroza, um, on vocals and guitars. Uh, he is basically the main guy. Um, then, um, it was Christian Giesler on, or 
you know, yeah, Geisler, Geisler on bass, Venter's still on drums, and then they added uh, a Finnish guitar player named Sammy. I am not even going to try to pronounce his last name uh, as lead guitar player. And if you ask me, this guy changed the game for Creator. Um, and we'll get more into him as we talk about the album. Uh, but to me, he has, and, and even though um, Petros is, is credited with writing all the songs and, and the, all the music and the lyrics, Sammy has had a major influence and has probably had a lot to do with a lot of the way things are done in the studio and how these songs are put together. A hundred percent. I mean, even if a band has one core writer of the music, the other members have their part in, in the sound and the, you know, the, 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 not the writing, but the, the instrumentation, everything like arranging. that. Yeah, yeah. Arranging specifically. So yeah, he has a huge difference in the, and we're, we're definitely going to talk about that as we go. Right. Now, Violent Revolution was released on September 5th, 2001 on Steamhammer, SPV Records uh, worldwide. Uh, it was produced by our friend Andy Sneep. And I say our friend because we talk a lot about him and some of the... the love-hate with Andy Sneep. The love-hate that we have with, with Andy Sneep. Um, it was recorded at Area 51 Studios in Hollywood, Florida, and Backstage Studios in Derbyshire, United Kingdom. That is Andy's... Uh, personal studio um and that's where most where he does a lot of guitar tracking guitar soloing uh in his at his place uh like i said all the music and the lyrics were written by petroza um this is the first album to finish uh to to feature uh sammy on guitar like i said it was very noticeable um so he definitely uh did something the way i put it is that the songs seem more mature and there's a lot more melodic so let's get into it let us talk about it all right uh, so track one is Reconquering the Throne. So this has multiple meanings, obviously. Uh, it's got a tongue-in-cheek recognition that this is a return to classic form, as well as recognizing that those around you don't always have your best interests in mind. Um, so that could be in reference to maybe people in the industry telling them to go in a different direction than what's comfortable. It could be any number of things, but it seems pointed um, I'm just not 100% sure who at. So uh, the solo and the harmony are more melodic than ever. And I absolutely love it. So it's this has got a great main riff. And so the song is broken up into three riffs. If you want to look at it that way, there's the verse riff, the chorus riff, and the bridge solo riff. It is, it is definitively three different riffs, and they repeat for their distinctive parts. Um, at least that's what I can tell. Um, and, but melodic, I mean, it was instantaneous that I could tell that there was a melodic aspect to, to this song, to this album. As soon as I put this on, I'm like, Oh, okay. So this guy, uh, this guy, Sammy definitely, you know, they brought in that, that, that finished sound that, that, that region of the world has a particular style and he is definitely bringing it to the table. Yeah, it, I, I liken it to a lot of what was going on with the Gothenburg bands at the time. Um, so it adds that element into it while still maintaining kind of the the, the sound of the region, you know, being a, a German band uh, or just a European metal band at the time. So um, 
track two, The Patriarch. And so there's not much to say here. Uh, it serves as a melodic intro into the title track, but I really like it. It reminds me, like I said, of what what's kind of going on with the Gothenburg bands. Um, but just just melody. I mean, that's that's the best way to put it. Melody. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it's it's an interlude that comes in before Violent Revolution. Um, they could have easily have made this part of Violent Revolution. I don't see why they didn't. But um, if you just want to skip it, then you're allowed to skip it. Um, yeah, I mean it works perfectly either way because you can just go like punch right into the song. I mean, how many times have we complained about you know the, these long intros before the song really takes off? Um, well, it's funny because I said, ask Iron Maiden how to add one to two minutes to a song that never really materializes any place <laughs> else in the song. <laughs> so that is exactly what we're talking about here. You know, where like, for instance, at, at the beginning in, of the uh, on the final frontier, you got four minutes of some intro shit. Why didn't they cut that track in half? If you want the first four minutes leave it there but make it a separate track you you already have a separate title for it you know why do i have to listen to four minutes before i get to the song that i like you know on the track it's eight minutes long but it, on en vivo they made it two separate tracks see go figure well you know anyway. steve didn't want you to skip it so he wanted you to hear all of it every time every, every time i fixed that <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's go into the title track, Violent Revolution. Um, the title track starts off with a killer riff. I mean, it's an angry, bitter track and a headbanger. Um, the nature of humanity and the cycle of hate that repeats, uh, you know, just destroying everything that's good and pure. And now there's there's moments of it in, in the lyrics that you can glean that there's always that that sense of hope, just like, you know, with, with adults and children, right? Like adults become more jaded and broken as time goes on, but children are innocent and they have that, that willingness to, to kind of continue on. And that's the only thing that really keeps humanity together is that, that, you know, glimmer of hope that children bring sometimes. So, um, you know, it's a sad reality, but it's an awesome track. Um, this it's slower heavier you know the sound that carries over from like what what they built upon with coma of souls so even though this is 11 years later it feels like it comes right after coma of souls um but now there's those like we said those melodic elements that just are added to the formula and they really flesh out the song but this is a, a really catchy track it's really good yeah i i think this is a great song um yeah, you know, it, it to me it's probably at at this point. I mean, let's let's skip all the experiment experiment experimental songs for all their their heavier stuff. I guess you could say this is one of their more accessible songs. Um, I, I it's got a catchy chorus, if I dare say so myself. Um, there's definitely you know we we talk about it, there's always one song in an album that you pay a lot of attention to, not you as a listener, but uh, they and you know as uh, the songwriters as the songwriters as the producing team uh or the production team um all that they um you you pay specific attention to one song because you know it's good this is that one song on the album um harmony solos little licks in the verses after the solo uh harmony solo to end the song i mean there's just a lot of little things in this song that um make it that much better 
of a track. So, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a pretty cool. Uh, there's track. there's a reason why it's the the title track. I would say, like you said, they they pay a bit more attention to it and make sure it's that that uh, recognizable song. So, uh, track four is all of the same blood unity. Um, so this is a great track, kind of questioning how humanity can justify killing its own people. Um, you know, small differences between cultures can make us hate each other and acts like the Holocaust can be the result. Um, you know, then after all the dust settles, the pawns who fell into serving and believing in a dictator can be left abandoned after they fail, you know, questioning why they did what they did. You know, it's a, it's a dark subject. Um, you know, you can see the depth of the writing in in these tracks i mean there's there's so much thought put into to what what he writes and you know it's funny is in some of the live recordings you know there's these interludes between songs and you hear him say uh, yeah you know some people think it's still cool to be racist and i just i'm just like you know it's funny hearing this like <laughs> you know like it just feels like so different than what you would expect you know because right. this song sounds so angry but they're really preaching about acceptance and you know it's so funny so um yeah there's just something i noticed about the 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 words like not not just the words but even the song titles and stuff like that and then when you start listening to the song like even on the the more newer stuff mm -hmm. it's like there's there's a there's a a, a theme to me that is, it's kind of it, there's a, there's an uplifting theme to a lot of this stuff, even though a lot of this stuff is dark and gloomy and moody. But there, uh, there almost seems to me to be an uplifting theme throughout all the songs, especially in the latter tracks you know, or the latter albums. That just kind of like it, it's it, it's so weird to me like you could write such a, a heavy dark song but when you really get down to it there's a positive message coming out of it there's always that glimmer of hope like i said right like with like mm -hmm. with with the last track that that the the moment or the i guess i'm technically talking about this track um there's <laughs> there's always that like there's something that that still keeps us together even though there are these dark moments and we can hate each other over, over subjects that we don't, you know, that really, really shouldn't, you know, that, that we're being right. manipulated by powers above us, etc., And we're all really not that different. And it's interesting to hear that from a band like this, that you think like all oh, the, you know, it's this dark imagery and this and that, but it's, it's really preaching kindness and love and stuff it's so funny but uh, yeah exactly so but more on the technical aspects like the the harmonies the melodic sections add some real warmth to the song there's the emotion that goes goes with it because like i said we're talking about you know hate hating each other for things that we shouldn't and this song specifically is about the you know the the things that happened in world war ii and 
you know the the emotion that goes along especially like with the solo that that just really fit and and when you're listening to the lyrics and and really absorbing it it just adds so much depth to it and so there, there's this outro also that has this kind of repeating echo to it that it mm-hmm. just it caps it off so well because it's very introspective in tone and so when you're when you're really getting the whole message like it's just such a good song yeah it is um and and you know coming off of violent revolution it picks up the pace um but there's some some definitely some uh, like uh the breakdown portion of the song you know it's, it has uh harmony guitar parts that's that is different is it, the songwriting has definitely changed and there's a ton of influence that sammy has given to to Millet. that's that's really interesting to to see it you know, basically fleshed out in these songs so i like it i think it's a great song all right so that takes us into track five servant in heaven king in hell uh, so again there's there's so many layers to these lyrics here i mean there are people that f- fight and struggle and take what they can to rise above while others will just follow and never question beyond what they're told um i mean it like i said it applies to multiple subjects like you can take it at face value and you know somebody that's that's um a servant and of god or or or, you know a a follower of of of, you know more sadistic tones and you know you can you can rise above if you do things that you would not necessarily view as moral but when when sometimes you're so strictly moral you feel like you're falling behind so there's there's these multiple layers to this song that you can really gather what you want to from it um you know a struggling to to rise above can feel like you're in hell or there's the complacency that you everything can feel easy but you know it's not it's not ever going to make you rise above you're already at a certain place right and you're stuck there um but these dynamic riffs and harmonies they just add so much to it but it's like it's just really heavy and aggressive so it's it's a song you can just bang your head to and like you know like listen to it gather what you want to from it glean what you want to learn from it but i i think it's one of those that that's open to interpretation in a lot of regard yeah, what I what I like about this song is, uh, I mean, it's not a it's not a quick song, and you know, it's more of a mid paced uh, track. Um, I can't describe it as a chugger, but it's very methodical mm-hmm. in its pacing. Um, you know, the harmonies all over the place, uh, which is great. Um, you know, there's the part towards the intro where there's you know the guitars are harmonizing off the same bass riff, so that's yeah, that's pretty interesting. That is cool. yeah. You know. Um, the solo is very cool. This is well thought out. Um, what I like about it is that it's not a million notes. It's, it's just one that follows the melody of the song. And, and I, and I think that's cool. I've, you know, when I, I did a demo track for a band one time, and I think I mentioned it a long time ago, you know, where the the guitar player didn't want to do what I asked. And I just asked him to do one thing and, and he did it. And the band liked it, and he couldn't stand it, you know, and, and basically trashed everything. Uh, we ended up recording over it, um, and it was one of those. I asked him to do the solo. Said you got, you got, for for what it was worth, you got eight bars to a solo. The first four bars do something that follows the melody of the song, 
And then as soon as you hit the four, at the end of the fourth bar, go straight into to shredding. And all he wanted to do was shred for eight bars. I'm like, just try it. I, you know, he did it. And, and the band looked at me and, the, you know, I think I was at the time I, I was, uh, we were we had the drummer and the bass player were hanging out with me in the studio, and he was just I think the the singer was off doing something else, but this guitar player was doing his thing, and the bass player and the drummer looked at me like, dude, that's so cool. He came in, listened to it, didn't like it, and it's like, come on, this is a perfect example in a song like this where that works when you when you put. Uh, a solo you don't need to have a million notes to make it meaningful and really good deep solo something that follows the melody song something that harmonizes off of something like that works really well i think it works great on this song so this is this is a pretty pretty neat track i like this this track a lot same um so track six is second awakening um so second awakening is about a about learning and rising above from the past, you know, learning from and not letting it, it you repeat the same mistakes. Um, so again, Sammy's guitar work, you know, having replaced Frank, you know, they, they had some good chemistry. I really love those early albums that are very thrashy, but it's just, this is just so refreshing, you know, like, like I mentioned, the, the melodic aspects again are so welcome. Uh, what I love about this track is it really does feel like an evolution from the material on come of souls. Like it, it, it feels like a song that could have been written for that album, but with the, the addition of the melodic tracks specifically or melodic aspects specifically it just feels like that evolution even though you know the the last album of this vein was 11 years ago this is one that i feel like specifically just rolls over perfectly from that that time period no i can see that i could definitely see that um you know when with a song like this this is you know it's a it's mid-paced riff with a guitar and drum pattern you know intro that leads to a guitar solo, you know, 45 seconds into the song, you know, the main riff starts, you know, and it's the same riff as the intro, but it's, it's faster. It's, it's, it's kind of, you know, odd to say something. You said faster? Play it a certain way. You said faster? Yeah. Where are those dreams that I've been after? (laughs) (laughs) Fuck me up on that one. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so, I was like, "Where are you going with this?" <laughs> so the the chorus the chorus is basically the intro section with lyrics, you know, and then you know you get the solo that's played over the main melody and harmonizes with it to some extent. So it, there's a, there's a lot of cool things with this song, and and that again that's Sammy's influence on the songwriting. So you know you can't help but think, you know, where were you all these years, <laughs> Sammy? So. But yeah, it's a very cool, interesting track. So I, I like this one as well. All right, that leads us into track seven, uh, "Ghetto War." Um, so this is this is kind of where the album goes into kind of a different direction to some degree. Like it still follows that same idea that you know, like the darkness of humanity, etc. But this is more of like a dystopian future, and that, that kind of carries over for a couple tracks here. Um, so not necessarily directly relating to anything specific about um societal problems etc but more of like the direction we could possibly go in so uh so again like i said another dystopian future uh but the riff itself is very it's 
very heavy, really great. It has the single most sludgy and yet melodic bluesy solo on the album. So (laughs) you would think like that combination, like you're saying sludgy, bluesy, and melodic. Um, You know, it's like you go to a restaurant and and they tell you they have a burger that's on a on a uh, um, a donut with peanut butter and jelly on it like you think oh my god that's disgusting but then you try it and it's like this works and i don't understand my my taste buds now and so like that's what i re- that, that that would never happen to me <laughs> It, it, can't stand peanut butter. No, I, I no, I got you, but you you get what I'm saying. Like, no, I, the, I know what you're there's, saying. Exactly, there's those things you know. that you go, this should not work, but it does, and right, it's a really good solo. I definitely like, you know, would put this up there in one of the top solos on the album. Um, but really cool track, um, very kind of catchy. But uh, what do you think about it? Uh, it's definitely one that gets your head bopping. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's one that you know. You all of a sudden you, you you're listening to it and you realize you're you're shaking your head up and down. You're not head banging per se, but it's definitely getting you like up and down. Um, it's different. It's definitely different than most everything else on the album. That's for sure. Um, you know, uh, the solo section slower. It's definitely more thought out. Again, it's one of those where it you're. You don't need to do a lot to say a lot. Yeah, and so that's that's something, um, you know. And and yes, get a war. It's it's kind of uh, it's it, there is a sludginess to it for sure. Um, but it, you know what? Again, going back to what we said about how the lyrics or the title track or the title of the song, let's say, match the music, sludgy, bluesy ghetto Mm -hmm. okay you know uh, melodic because that's just the way they are now because of sammy so yeah it it uh it definitely matches and then at the same time it's different than anything else on the album at this point yeah absolutely uh so that takes us into track eight replicas of life uh, when I first heard this opening, it kind of scared me. I remember listening to it, and I was like, oh, no. <laughs> Is this track going to be like the stuff from the previous albums? It's not. It's not. It it, <laughs> it takes off, like, right away. Um, you know, it it just kicks in, rips your face off. Uh, you know, the focus, uh, again, is more on, like, a dystopian dark future. Um but it, it just brings some kind of levity to the album, I guess, because everything in the first half is so serious. And then these these kind of more um, like more focused on just telling a possible future, like dystopian kind of thing, more Mad Max-ish. They, they're not as focused and, and dark, I guess. So it, it lightens things up in the weirdest way. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know... It- I thought the same thing you thought is like, oh, well, you know, now because they did these last four albums, they could do whatever the hell they want, you know, and get away with it. But even though they returned to uh, their, their thrashiness and they had, but they, see, it's funny. They returned to their thrashiness, but at the same time, they brought such a huge element with the melodicness of, of, of the stuff that Sammy's bringing along to this, that, it it's not just thrashy anymore. Yeah. It's now it's 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 so much more mature. Um, but this one's odd because 
you sit there, the first thing you think of is, oh, they're playing something off of, you know, Endorama or something like that, you know? That's what it sounds like at the very beginning. It scared the <laughs> right, crap exactly. out of me. Right, <laughs> exactly. I mean, you got clean vocals. Um, you know, it's a clean guitar intro. But, you know, it doesn't last very long. At, at a minute, it, the song you know, really kicks in and then you go, oh, okay, hey, so so they are back. It's, it's <laughs> not know? even bad. It's just like a whiplash kind of thing. You're like, no, right. no. <laughs> I mean, is it, there's a PTSD vibe to well, it that, you know, like, no. When, when you're listening to it in 2001, that's the feeling that you get. So, um, <laughs> so. all right. So that takes us into track nine, Slave Machinery. Um, I mean, it's pretty to the point about the subject matter, you know, manipulation of man into slavery and abuse. Um, the main riff is pretty mechanical, and I, I feel like that's intentional to fit the, the, the concept of the song, uh, you know, the structure of the lyrics. But the solo takes really this more human and hopeful sound, and it's my by far my favorite solo on the album. Well, you're talking about machinery. You know, machinery has a rhythm to it. Exactly. And so it's got, you know, the drum fill and some, you know, double bass intro on the song. But also talking about machinery, it's, you know, there's, there's structure to it. There's, there's a coldness to it, you know, and that's part of this, you know, same thing. But then, you know, you got this chugging guitar and then the song gets going. And, you know, then there's a catchy melody to it because that's what they do now. So it, it, it's got all these little things mixed in here in, in this one song. Absolutely. Did you like the solo? I'm just curious. I don't remember it. <laughs> no. I, I didn't get to, I mean, I, I heard it. I don't remember it, you know, note for note or anything like that. I, I didn't put any, any notes on it, so it, I haven't listened to it probably in like four or five, six days now. Well, that's your assignment is after we finish this, <laughs> listen to the solo on that album again and just kind of refresh yourself on it because it is really good. It's just it's so interesting, too, because it plays off of that, that mechanical kind of like um, – you know, structured sound of the song, and then it just goes into this like hu more humane aspect of it. And I think it's just a really cool juxtaposition. So, uh, so that takes us into track ten, bittersweet revenge. So this is one of those things like when when you're filled with hate and rage, and there's that line between love and hate. You you admire someone, but you, but you're also jealous of them. Um, and then when that's all gone there's that hole left inside. Like it's been what's fueling you for so long. So I, I, what I find disappointing about this song though, is that it, it like, if you really listen to the way it starts and the way the last track ended, there's this gap in between. I feel like it should just immediately jet into this song because they flow so well together. Um, but that's just a minor complaint. Um, I always wished that there, like I said, there was no break, but I think it's just, it's one of those really cool, especially after your subject matter, like the slave machinery, a bittersweet revenge, I think is like, if you were in that situation, like where you're a slave and you have that, that not necessarily hatred, but like you, you despise your position and you're now free from it. Where do you go? I mean, I think that's a real subject that a lot of people had over, you know, generations all over the planet had to, you know, really question. So I think those two songs really go hand in hand very well, actually. Well, you know, remember the scene, you know, that the 
few episodes in Game of Thrones. She freed all of them. And then they, what did they end up doing? Going back to work for the people that they were slave to. I mean, that yeah, that's based on reality too. Yeah. Right. In many but situations. It, it's, it's, it's um, you know, and now, or not now, but in, in the way it was in Game of Thrones, they were working. At least they were working. They weren't slaves yeah. to them. But it's funny because, you know, yeah, you're free. You can do whatever you want. Well, but this is all I know. And this is what I want to do. And it makes sense, so they go back to doing that. It's just, it's a weird, it's a weird, like you said before, you use the word juxtaposition. In this particular case, that is the the odd juxtaposition. What do you do when you're free to do whatever you want? Mm-hmm. You know, so that, that that is pretty cool. Uh, you know, for me, the the track is um, what sticks out the most for me is the, is the melodic vocal lines. I think that's a really cool part of the song that that really is attractive to me in that. So, and then, you know, it's got the riff change from the pre-chorus to the chorus. That's a nice touch. So, it's, it's, a, it's a cool track. I like it. So, that takes us into track 11, Mind on Fire. Um, you know, opening your mind to something beyond the obvious. It has more of a hopeful tone and melody. And, you know, I really like the riff. It's, you know, softer moments that kind of, like, oppose the, the, the heavier elements of the... Uh, segments of the song excuse me um it's you know it can be viewed at base level as well like it, you know a drug that alters your mind or it can be just opening your mind to something beyond what you normally see so kind of a cool track towards the end uh you know you're 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 getting to to be i i tend to think like 10 tracks is that that sweet spot of where albums should be 12 isn't too bad um but this isn't i think one of the stronger tracks on the album but it's it's not bad so it was funny about this song for me is like you know you hear it, it starts off with this riff and he's just riffing and riffing and riffing right and it's like the band sitting there watching a the riff, and like, oh, we should be playing with him, and then they <laughs> all kind of jump in and they start playing. Oh yeah, you know? <laughs> oh yeah, we're, we're recording a song here. Oh, that seems pretty cool. Let's do something with him. You know, that that's the way it almost seemed at the beginning. It's like you know, he's just going off and playing. He's, he's riffing. He's all by himself, and then the band's like, boom, you know, we jump right in. Um, and it, but overall, I mean, it's got a cool vocal melody. I mean, it's got an interesting chorus. Um, you know, it, the song's got a nice little gallop to it. You know, so it's not it's not the worst song in the album. Um, um, so it's it's not the best song in the album, but yeah, it's, it's, it's a good song. It's, it's a fine. decent song. It's fine right. and fun. So <laughs> and it's fine. It's fine and it's placed in a good spot where you know you're towards the end. But let, let's do something slightly different. You know? Yes. All right. So that brings us to the closer of the album, System Decay. Um, so you know, it's it's one of those things that, that society, every society, every major society in in our existence, has eventually fallen or changed. It's had to. Um, you know, issues like greed, complacency, conflict, lack of conflict. You know, complacency is bred out of lack of conflict, right? So all these things that that lead to the system that is set in place that's supposed to protect the people can eventually fall apart and then the people fall apart because of that. So, you know, it's, it's, I would say this is, 
it's not a bad closer. I, I think it's a pretty solid track overall. But again, you're 12 tracks in, so it can be a bit overlooked. But I think it's worth listening to. It's one of those that um, it, it wraps up the album with a nice little bow. And, and everything is kind of cleaned out, like finished out. Yes, I agree. Um, it's slightly prophetic this kind of song you know so that's uh it's an interesting thing to it um i do like the riffing and the drumming that follow along with the guitars and all that stuff the song is cool it's a, it's a last song in the album and it's a it's a pretty interesting thing that that unlike all the other bands that you know leave their fastest song for the end they're not uh creator doesn't do that so that that's the interesting thing about how they lay out their albums, which I think is pretty cool. Uh, but th- this is this is not a bad song, so it's a pretty interesting way to end the album. All right, so thoughts on the, the album itself? Well, for me, this album gives me the vibe. The creator took everything that they learned throughout their entire career, especially in the last 10 years with all the experimentation, and they put it all together on this album. And this was definitely one of these we're back kind of albums, but not necessarily we're back to play the same old style that we played before we experimented. This is one of those things that this is the, we, you know, we just took you on a 10 year journey through all this experimentation. Now we're going to play everything that we've learned over all this time. And we're going to give you the best version of creator we can give you. And they've done that since this point. And that's pretty cool. Uh, so it really reflects on this album. I think this album is really, really good. Um, the addition of Sammy is huge. I mean, it's just gigantic and enormous. I mean, I don't know what other adjectives you could describe for something to be so big. And and the fact that he's still there today doing the things that they that he does, it's incredible. I mean, it's a enormous role that he plays in the band even though technically he doesn't get much credit for it um but yeah this this is one of those things where it's, if if you if you know now if you knew then what you know now you would you could say yes this is absolutely the start of something but we nobody knew that at the time they just knew that they were back so i, I think it's a great album yeah i mean it's it's an evolution for sure and it's it's really reflective of the direction that they've gone ever since the newer albums have only kind of continued this pattern and i would say oftentimes really grown upon what it is um i do think of this as a like a a a benchmark album for them so i think a lot of people might think of this as you know their best album which i would not necessarily disagree with um you know, there's some people think of the 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 early days. You know, certain sp- specific albums within that that time period also as their best albums. But um, I, man, I have a hard time disagreeing with anybody with that think with that would think that this is their best album. So, um, what do you think as far as which one's the better album? So when you put the two albums together. Um, there's, there's, there's two differences that stand out really far for me. Um, Coma of Souls, like we talked about, seems to me to be, when you put everything together, the culmination of everything they had done up to that point, which obviously sounds 
stupid when you when you listen to it. Like, yeah, it's the culmination. Yeah, yeah, that's the end of that. Everything up to that point, but you know, you could see every album was building up to this grandly good album that Coma of Souls is. The unfortunate part about it is that they never followed up Coma of Souls with a proper follow-up. So is that the type of thing where you sit there and you say to yourself, as 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 Millet may have said to himself, I can't do any better at this point. I need to do something different. Okay? So it, it's that it's that kind of thing. Coma Souls is the pinnacle of where they were at that time. So they do this experimentation and then they come back and they say, okay, well, we learned a ton of stuff. I now have this great new guitar player. Look how good we are. And they put out this fabulous album when it comes to Violent Revolution. So they, it's, it's even though you and I, the reason why we chose these two albums is because it was the, the, the end of one thrash period and the beginning of another thrash period, if you want to look at it like that. Um, I wouldn't even put it in those terms with thrash because it's it's hard to, to describe what they do now as thrash um, because it's so it's so beyond like Ventor. It's very similar to the guy who plays drums for Zaxxon. Where do these guys get off being the drummer of a band for all these years and are playing better now than they did when they were when they first started with the band? I don't get that. This guy Venture, he's fucking amazing. <laughs> you know? I mean, it really is, put, yeah. I mean, as as he was playing legitimate thrash style drumming that was a, a, a combination of true thrash drumming mixed in with blast beats and stuff like that. It was the extreme style of of drumming. To now he's playing he's almost sounds equivalent to any of the melodic death metal drummers that are coming out of Norway, Sweden, and, and, and Finland and all that shit up in the Nordic area. I mean, it's just crazy to think about that, you know, that this guy at this age, because mm-hmm. he's not a young chicken anymore. We, tell, we, we know that to be still doing it at that high level. That's amazing. So to, to answer the question, I'm going to give it to Violent Revolution because it's just so far and above better than anything that they had done up to that point. I, I'm going to agree with you. This is, for me, it's tough because I really, really like Phantom Antichrist. Um, but this is probably still at this point my favorite album from, uh, from Creator. I mean, it's just, it's so good from beginning to end. The, there's only a couple moments where I say maybe you could cut this a little shorter, but I don't even know what song I would pick to to cut from the album. That's the thing. Like it, I think the twelve tracks works really well, um, but if it was ten, it would be even tighter. But at the same time, like I said, I don't know what I would cut. No, you don't cut anything. You just listen to them. Hell yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that decides it. So both you and I have chosen Violent Revolution. Um, so that doesn't mean that Coma Souls is bad. Obviously, it's a very good album. Not at so, all. But, yeah. I mean, but for us, for us, it was Violent Revolution. So that brings us to our big four creator songs. Um, and so this one was definitely hard for me because since I don't did not or don't know most of their catalog, I literally had to flip through songs as fast as I possibly could to get through almost all the shit that they've played over their career. Um, unfortunately, there's stuff that I'm I'm 
absolutely positive that I skipped. Um, but for me, there's also that part of it that is, I have to, I have to have that hook. I've always talked about it from the beginning from to now songs have to have the hook to me. So, uh, I'm going to go first on this one only because I know you probably are interested in what I have to say. <laughs> so, nah, um, no, it's, it's like, go ahead. <laughs> All right, so number four for me is Hail to the Hordes uh, from the Gods of Violence album. Cool riff. I like the vocal melody and the chorus. What this song reminds me of is there's, there's something about the Vikings that oozes from this song. Um, and I might be wrong. Uh, I might be dead on, but because uh, I didn't do enough depth and research on it. I just listened to him like, Hey, this is a pretty cool song. I'm getting this vibe out of it. So that's my number four song. Number three, uh, mental slavery from coma souls. Um, after an hour of listening to that album or almost an hour, I mean, this is one of, like I said, you, you finally get to take your foot off the gas pedal. You go into cruise control. This song is definitely cruise control. And I like it that much. Um, so this is where Kenneth Dean goes off the, the, the deep end here oh, with number two, I'm going to pick golden age from Endorama. Um, so I'm listening to so when you and I first started talking about this, I, I, I was playing songs from the album that came right after Coma of Souls. And I'm like, what the hell is this? You know, I didn't, I, I couldn't understand what was going on. I went from this, this really extreme aggressive vocal pattern to this guy that was just kind of like singing and not necessarily sounding great, you know? And, and so you, you progress through the next few albums and it's kind of like, it's not necessarily alternative metal, like sort of like what Metallica did with Load and Reload. They just stayed heavy metal. They just weren't the same extreme metal band they were. But Endorama, this song, Golden Age, is pretty cool for me. Um, what this song reminds me of is Symphony of Destruction from Megadeth. Uh, I don't know if you got that vibe or not If you when you listen to it, but that's what I got. So it's a catchy chorus. I like it. That's my number two. My number one song, we just talked about it a few minutes ago, Violent Revolution. Um off the Violent Revolution album. It's got a tinge of melodic death metal to it. Um, the chorus makes for a nice audience participation, so I think this is a really cool song. It is my favorite creator song up to this point. When I learn more about them, it might change. Well, I would never tell you that your list is wrong, but it's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, but it is wrong. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> that, that's twice you told me I'm wrong and you just said you were never going to tell me I was wrong that's that's true um, no it's you know if you like th- those particular tracks off of uh, you know Endorama that's all fine and good um, but you basically just said Risk is a great album um, no no I'm sorry <laughs> I did not say that so so uh, I'm just kidding, of course. Uh, well, let's go over my I said, list. I said St. Anger was a great album. <laughs> Oof. Okay. 
right. So All right. um, we're going to go on my list now. Uh, tra- uh, track four. Uh, so my <laughs> my number four is Terror Zone off of Coma of Souls. Um, I really like that track. It's always one that stuck with me. Um, you know, when I got around to getting Coma of Souls, I just thought that was such a killer album at the time. Um, you know, for the longest time, that was my favorite album from from creator uh then when violent revolution came out this just blew me away um but terror zone was probably my favorite track from that band for a long time um but that tells you how much more awesome stuff they've put out since um so my number three is hordes of chaos necrologue for the elite off of hordes of chaos um this was another one where uh very catchy very cool track this one you can sing along and you know do the the you know the audience participation kind of thing with as well um my number two is your heaven my hell off of phantom antichrist that song for like five years was my lead off track at the gym whenever i would go uh run on the treadmill um that was it it, because i would always start off with a walk and then when the song kicks in about a minute and a half through um that gives you enough of the warm-up to just kick into your run and for the longest time that was that was that's how i started my run so awesome awesome track um i love that album i'd love to do something more with it at some point when we have another maybe another extreme metal or another creator episode we'll we'll see when we get around to that someday um and then my number one was actually your number one violent revolution um this song has just kicked ass for so many years it's still since 2001 my favorite creator song and uh it still sticks with me. This is why I consider it my favorite album too, is because, you know, that longevity, that, 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 uh, you know, uh, the, the quality of the songs on this album, even though I really love Phantom Antichrist, like I said, um, I think just that, that little bit tips it over. So violent revolution, my number one. Cool. I I really wish like you know yes we had plenty of time to do stuff but you know my daily my daily routine consists of so many different things that take me away from listening to music that you know I, the the most opportune time is when I'm in my car and even then that's cut short a lot of times by having a conversation with my wife which is you know I have nothing against that I need to talk to her most of the time <laughs> but it's one of those things where I don't have a tremendous amount of opportunity to be able to sit by myself and listen to music well part of this is also getting to know these bands like it but way back when we did our first Queensryche album I'm sure I've grown to like certain songs better than maybe what I picked as my first or my you know my favorite tracks at the time and we can always re you know readdress these later but the the fact that you know we're getting this opportunity to really like find a new band and like a new band i think is great so i i I like your list other than one pick Um. (laughs) and it's funny because if you if you listen to the song like have you when was the last time you heard golden age uh probably Gosh, five, six years ago when I listened to their entire catalog just on a whim. Right. So if you listen to it, like that, the, the part of the, the the verse sounds so much like Symphony of Destruction. You know, dan, 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 and it's just a, the riffing. It's just like, 
Okay. It's probably one of the better tracks in the album. I typically like the lead-off songs on a lot yeah, of their I albums. I didn't like the next couple of songs after that. It yeah. was just this one that kind of stuck out for me. Um, but anyhow, um, no, it, it's it's definitely one of these where I'm I'm now going to listen. I, mean, I actually picked out a bunch of songs. I was like, oh, this is pretty cool, pretty cool, pretty cool. And I put them all on my, my you know 3,000 song playlist. So I keep adding to that. This and, is this is a band I would like to maybe someday do a worst to first. So if, listeners out there, <laughs> if you're interested to hear a worst to first on Creator, uh, definitely write in. Let us know. Okay, I'm sure Christoph will say yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. Well, that is our big four creator songs and that concludes today's episode of Debating Metal. If you liked what you heard today, remember to subscribe or like the show on whichever platform you choose to listen to us on and you'll get a new episode from us just about every week or so. And don't forget to leave us a comment on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter or leave us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. YouTube viewers, click subscribe and ring the bell to be notified when we post a new episode. So remember to tune in to next week as we spark up another exciting metal debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe and always turn it up to 11. See ya. (laughs) 